We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packers fans and packer nation welcome to another episode of the pack a day podcast your packers podcast 365 days out of the year uh before we get into this guys i don't know we didn't even talk about this in our pre-production here uh we hit 10,000 followers on twitter today Shout out, Ooh. shout out us, uh, Tyler Herrick, boost us a little bit, um, f- you know, f- just fulfilling those last couple days of his contract. I'm not sure if that's a, a real tweet or not, but regardless, we hit that 10,000K. I'd been watching that for a couple weeks, so um, awesome to see that and uh, continue to crush with everyone a part of Packaday Podcast and everyone listening. But I, of course, am Matt Fralick. Alongside me is Eli Berkovitz and Janelle Mackey. We're going to break down some of the stuff that we've seen across the Twitter sphere the last 24 hours. Obviously, yesterday's episode, that being on Friday, that came out. Um, the boys broke down Nathaniel Hackett being um, signed to, I guess, signed, taking a job with the New York Jets. And of course, just like Eli said in our pre-production, it's just like, oh, you know, just Packers Twitter just likes to go off the chain. And they're, you know, now it's the rumor mill of instead of him going, maybe Rogers being traded to the Raiders or retiring, it's him going to the Jets almost definitively. Um, we'll see how long the smoke continues to go on there, if we'll continue to smolder through the offseason. But there is some other stuff to get to this weekend. And first and foremost, more rumor stuff, more cryptic stuff. At 11.52 a.m. Central Standard Time on Friday, 
the leading receiver for the Packers this last year in reception receptions, yards, and targets. Uh, Alan Lazard, after some of his postgame comments after their um, Week 18 loss at home versus the Lions and not getting the, the playoffs, kind of doubled down on that maybe, uh, some might think, and just simply tweeted out, thank you, with the high five or the praying emoji. I know there's controversy over that. I'm, I'm going to interpret it as the praying emoji, um, but basically just that's it. I look back through his Twitter timeline. I'm like, is there something that maybe he was – putting out like a donation for his ATT brand or ART brand, whatever it is. Like it was there something along the lines that he was following up on. Maybe there was a good article written about him from the beat. No, no, no. The last tweet before that was him having some lunch plans. It looks like um, on a tropical Island uh, a couple days ago, that looks fantastic about 48 hours before that tweet. So um, not much to take away from that other than the fact that it's just, yeah, I don't know, more to dive into. I do think definitively it is probably the last time we've seen 13 in green and yellow. Um, I'm fairly confident based off the production he had this year. What he's probably going to be able to gain on the open market just puts him in a situation to go get some um, cash. So, Janelle, you are the uh, Packaday <laughs> Podcast spokesperson for cryptic social media stuff. So your thoughts on 13's cryptic tweet on Friday at just about noon. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the first thing you see from that is, like, you think, okay, like, does he know something we don't? Does he know that it's the end? Or is it kind of like a he's preparing for the end kind of thing? So it's it's the assumption when you see something like this that um, maybe there's some awareness that his time here is up. But, I mean, you know, sometimes players, you know, can be a little, you know, sneaky with what they're trying to say so it could just be like a maybe thank you like a general thank you but I mean like I the thing is that I as an overthinker and as the overthinker I am I am most often wrong about things so when I like really dive into these kinds of things it's like I could probably come up with like a million different things that maybe he's thinking of but I mean in in the football business world it does kind of you know and it's just a very blank Thank you. Emoji. That's it. Um, nothing was on Instagram. I did check that. Ooh, there was there nothing over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, you know, like we could really dive into it. I don't know if he ever had anything about the Packers in his bios, but there is nothing there. So if anybody knows if he did before, um, if he did, it's not there anymore. But I mean, we could really dive even deeper. He still is following all of his buddies from the team. So it's not like there's any, you know, how we kind of do like that celebrity gossip where it's like, oh, are they following, unfollowing, all that stuff. Like, I think it's just kind of seems like one of those, maybe he knows his time is up and he's just trying to process what might be going on. And that's just kind of how I interpret it. It's just kind of a preparing for what's to come. And honestly, it's a bummer to see because I love Alan Lazard. And like one of the first things I think of is you kind of talked about his receiving stuff, but it's like, mm-hmm. who's going to replace him as a blocker? I mean, yep. he's fantastic yeah. in that role. Obviously he kind of grew into, um, you know, we kind of, we hope that he would really, really be able to solidify a wide receiver one role, but I think he just kind of developed into a hardworking veteran receiver that they needed this year. And it's definitely a huge bummer, but you know, obviously Packers are in cap hell right now and who knows what's going to be happening. So if he's the first one to go, it's going to be a really detrimental loss, just like to a fan base who really loves and appreciates everything he's done. Definitely. We are still looking for that first domino to fall for, you know, transactions. I know it's very early and generally that doesn't happen for a team until at least after the, you know, the Super Bowl kind of 
segues out of that. Um, Janelle, you're not the only one overthinking. There's people quote tweeting that in the comments saying like, farewell, thank you, hope this isn't it. So it's tons of people going into it. Maybe he just had a great vacation. Like I said, he looked <laughs> like he was on, maybe just very thankful for a great vacation. Thankful for that delicious lunch at that destination. <laughs> could have been. I, I'm not sure. Based off of like when he posted that, it looks like it would have been somewhere maybe in Hawaii, maybe a little California uh, Definitely not time the Midwest. Zone. <laughs> Definitely not Wisconsin. Nope. 100%. <laughs> Definitely not in Iowa State going to visit his, his, uh, his alma mater. Um, Eli, your thoughts on this? Janelle looked into the Instagram stuff, which I appreciate the Twitter stuff. I'm assuming, Eli, you've checked uh, Alan Lazard's TikTok, maybe his oh, LinkedIn yeah. to see if he's changed his uh, employer. But your thoughts <laughs> on the uh, the saga that is the cryptic tweet um, of Alan Lazard, because it's the you know the most important topic um, yeah, of today's obviously. episode. I actually just got off Alan Lazard's MySpace, and it was shocking, Sick. the information Sick. that I found there. He changed Sick. his best friends. and Oh, yeah, he has changed all his friends, and now his Tumblr account's different. The whole world okay. changed around us. But funny that you said that, because I actually did see that he posted just a couple hours ago, I believe, on TikTok, doing a very, very important candy review, Sour Patch Kids. Okay, so, okay. I can tell you certainly, by the way, he did say his favorite color, his favorite flavor green so you never know the same oh, but, man. deep dive into that Wait, yeah, is that a I hint because there is other green teams in the league is he gonna follow aaron Rodgers to the jets or something ooh, and be with yeah, the packet? <laughs> i didn't think about that i didn't think about jets green but i will say it i mean it, it is interesting anytime a guy puts out just like a random tweet like this it's it's interesting especially a guy who's about to become a free agent um but yeah, I mean, it could mean that. It could also mean he's thankful for a hundred other things in his life. But I would say beyond this tweet, I like you said uh, before, uh, Matt, I do think it is probably the end. I feel like he's very much in that MVS territory where he's played himself into a situation where he can get a contract like MVS did, which is a contract that the Packers just aren't going to give to a receiver with that kind of production, especially with the cap situation they're in. So, yeah, I would expect Lazard to more than likely not be on the Packers next year, which does kind of suck because I, I was a huge fan of him. I'm not going to lie. Since his comments after the game where he was kind of like, I did play my last game here, it kind of seemed just yeah. like very, like I'm done. It, it did kind of definitely rub me the wrong way, but I'm still a big fan of him. I mostly just don't want to see him, see him end up on the Bears. I feel like it's a very classic Bears signing. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But... Maybe that's what the thank you is for, that he's not going to the <laughs> Yeah, that could definitely be it. You could you could take like the overly optimistic look and be like, maybe he's like, thank you, like they resigned him or something. Yeah, like they already agreed to an extension. You'll find out soon. There was a couple tweets about that. There was a couple people saying, "Oh, maybe he's coming back." What? Like you, you could play the pessimist or the optimist here, and you could be like, "Oh, well, maybe you know he's just thankful because you know something happened where he was able to stay on the team." And thank you. For that, who knows? Plastic, <laughs> like he just had like a great piece of pizza, and he's like, "Thank you, what a good <laughs> lunch." All right, that, that yeah. would be you right now because you're you're the hangry one here right now. So, I know now that I said that, I'm even hungrier. It's after, real after, you go, after you go eat, you need to go out and tweet just like "thank you." And yeah, oh yes, I'll do <laughs> so that. I don't get all cryptic about you. Be like, no, I just had a really good piece of pizza after yeah. I was hangry. <laughs> I was I taken it. after Al Lazard. Just two guys yeah. who love pizza. Matt, do guys... you have any like conspiracy with the tweet or why? Yeah, not really. I honestly think he's gone. Like I really do. That's just kind of what my thought is. And I, the last thing I was going to bring up is like let's just not let's not forget the social media age we live in, and also that 
even in the last couple of years, we have fallen to some Instagram stories between the last dance, between multiple players getting involved with that, right? Like there was a ton of stuff that we had as Packers fans kind of went through. So like this is a small piece of that. I remember, I mean, Jordan Love, for God's sakes, was getting involved with it a couple off seasons ago. So it's like my guess is he's probably gone. I, I do f- kind of feel like Eli where I was like when he said that in the post game, I was like, damn, I'm shocked by this. Um, so that is kind of strange that he would just right after the game say that, but like you probably already have a good sense of like, didn't get a contract extension. You understand where the market is. You're going to go get your own money. And like the fact they didn't give you a big deal previous, like kind of just, you have an understanding and you're probably bitter. Like that's truly where it's at. Somewhat spiteful. Like to say that right away. It's probably just like a lot of emotions in that moment. Like you can't even imagine like when everybody's got cameras and mics on you and you're in a very emotional state after, you know, losing a game that ended your season. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure guys say things like that where it's just like played my last game here. Like maybe it's just that realization and he just kind of like speaking that realization out loud, like, damn, it really, it really is. And I think that, you know, maybe plays into it too. And who knows, but he's the kind of guy he'll, he'll go out, he'll get good money and wish him all the best because he's, yeah, he's the kind of guy that you, you love and you wish them well when they leave. No doubt. No doubt. Um, On more, I guess, not rumor mill. This isn't really rumored at all. This is a confirmed situation. But after, uh, you know, this whole week, I think it's been a conversation on Packaday podcast and just across, you know, all the Packer content that's put out there is where will Nathaniel Hackett end up? Where will Mike LaFleur end up after his um, you know, departure? So it's like, where is that going to, how is that going to shake out? And I think a lot of people, at least myself particularly, they're looking at like, okay, Matt LaFleur had said, I am confident with the players or the coaches we have on the roster or excuse me, on the coaching staff at the time, Nathaniel Hackett was a free agent coach um, at that time. During that time, Mike LaFleur was still hired by the New York Jets. Um, He has now actually accepted a position with the LA Rams, going to fill a position there that um, was held by Liam Cohen, who took the job one year, had previously been with the Rams, went to the college ranks, came back to the Rams, follow me on this one, basically had a terrible offensive um, season with them. And a lot of that had to do, I think, with some of the injuries, duh, that had occurred. Cooper Cup, uh, Matthew Stafford with that spinal cord contusion or spinal cord bruise, whatever. But he goes, basically, Michael Ford goes from the Big Apple to L.A. Um, This is just after about two weeks that Sean McVay had said, yep, he's coming back where there was up in the air. So it sounds like he's getting his camp um, situated Mike LaFleur going to the LA Rams. So that puts a, a bow on the Matt, excuse me, obviously on Nathaniel Hackett going to re, you know, joining the Packers and also Mike LaFleur getting a, you know, a pity hire to go and work with his brother for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm for one kind of pleased to see a Mike LaFleur getting his shot. You know, he traveled from um, San Fran with Kyle Shanahan and Rob Sala and with his buddy Sala to the Jets coach there and now goes back to the West coast and is going to coach with Sean McVay kind of saying that same coaching tree. Um, so good for him. I'm particularly pleased that he's not coming to green Bay. Um, Eli, what are your thoughts on that? Would you have liked to see Mike LaFleur teamed up with his brother? Is it kind of just better that it, that doesn't happen that way? I, it's not even so much that I would have loved Mike LaFleur or not LaFleur, but I just, I kind of feel like Stenovich maybe isn't, an offensive coordinator. Like I, again, I think I said this last week or two weeks ago, but 
I don't know if being a good offensive line coach translates to being a good offensive coordinator. And we saw this year where the offense was. And again, that's not all obviously on Senevich. There's Rodgers as the floor. There's, you know, a lack of Devontae Adams and all that. But yeah, LaFleur, I wasn't like dying for. I mean, Hackett would have been interesting, but I never really, I never expected that to happen. I just didn't see him like coming back to us would almost be like, well, I went out there and I failed. So I'm going to run back to the Packers now and Aaron Rodgers or maybe not Aaron Rodgers. But I just didn't think that was going to happen. But, and again, after what LaFleur said, I never really expected any change on this coaching staff. But again, I, I really would have enjoyed seeing both offensive and defensive coordinator, honestly, a change. So I don't think either's going to happen. But like you said, I'm not like super upset that it's not with Floor or Hackett specifically. No, I like your take there because we did talk about that last week. Or like, where does this team reload with offensive and defensive coaching talent? Um, Steno, I think, is a good piece to have, but I don't know if he's a fully, you know, innovative offensive coach that they need. I think he's definitely done some great stuff to that the run game and the zone blocking game, obviously with his backing of the offensive line. Yeah. Um, Janelle, do you feel a certain way about Michael Ford getting a job in L.A., or are you kind of just happy that um, maybe now we can move on? It's like, okay, now Hackett's got a spot already. LaFleur's got a spot already. Now where do we go from here? Yeah, it's kind of like the fantasy wishes are gone, and now you can kind mm-hmm. of have more realistic looks and expectations. And, I mean, kind of one of the things that Eli mentioned with Adam Stenovich is kind of, you know, you and I touched on and um, just kind of like where does that leave that position? Is that, you know – with the offense and who's going to be doing the play calling and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of, you know, poses some questions, but I mean, it's not like these guys have jobs set in stone. So it'll be kind of interesting just to see how the offense unfolds. I mean, obviously there's a lot of turnover with the players, but you kind of wonder where in the coaching tree, will there be changes and, um, or if there is not changes kind of are certain things turned over to other coaches, um, stuff like that. Are they going to kind of, you know, mix and match who has certain responsibilities when it comes to play calling and all that stuff. So I think it's just kind of, you know, the LaFleur thing was a fun fantasy hack. It it would have been like a too good to be true kind of reunion kind of thing, but um, good for both of those guys for going out there and getting the jobs that they did. And now we can kind of focus more on maybe they work internally instead of viewing guys externally to kind of fix the issues that we were seeing on the coaching staff. Yeah, no doubt. I totally agree with that. And with that being said, guys, um, we were kind of besides, you know, the cryptic stuff happening, happening social media and checking, you know, social media platforms for anything we can find right now. Um, Michael Fleur actually, I think getting a signing and signing not the Packers and getting a, I would say it's semi-promotion. He did a damn good job with the Jets this, um, this past year with what they had there, especially with the, the quarterback turmoil was there. Is we saw Andy's video um, yesterday, obviously on Packaday podcast on the YouTube side. And thought it was a really good topic. Eli actually thought it was a great topic, which we some somehow agreed with him, Janelle. But the fact that like maybe the Packers should double down a little bit more on Matt LaFleur's offense, I think it's a really, really good topic to get into because if you look from 2019 and then to this year in 2022, a lot of things each year I feel like had changed. Um, and just like kind of to dive in real quickly, here's like 2019. I think a lot, and Andy spoke about this, and this is I think this was fairly obvious to most fans if you reflect, is like that first off, that first off season getting in like vastly different offenses between Mike McCarthy and Mike, Matt LaFleur, but Michael or uh, Matt LaFleur didn't come in and say, Hey, we're going to run this right away. Like they kind of took an approach of like, Hey, Aaron, what do you like of maybe Mike's offense? What do you maybe 
you could envision running with me because like there's a ton of terminology turnover there's a ton of things that would be you know be a tough learning curve so that happened in 2019 in 2020 um covid year virtual everything was on zoom trying to install more of that offense say hey what do we still want to carry over what worked well what do we need to change rogers if you do reflect and i was glad andy brought this up is like Rodgers basically said to LaFleur, like, dude, I'm all in. Like, let's let's run this offense. I'm totally with it. And it would have been very easy for them to, you know, in the circumstances of that offseason, um, to just say, you know what, we're going to stick with what worked last year. We might even strip it down a little bit more on the new stuff that I was running. It didn't work. Um, but they, they combined forces and basically said, you know what, we're going to run with what Matt LaFleur was brought in to run. Um, 2021, I feel like definitely set us up for a skewed perspective in 2022 because most of it was just Devonte Adams, right? Like use MVS as a deep shot. Didn't really ever get the offensive, you know, the offensive, I think the, the, the run game definitely was involved, but it was in spurts. It wasn't as consistent. I want to say there was a stretch for Aaron Jones where he just went absolutely crazy for like five or six games. But outside of that, there wasn't really much else um, to talk about. Obviously Tunyon got hurt at one point. There wasn't a lot of supporting cast members there outside Devontae Adams, and he was like the main focus. And I really, really think that stunted the growth in 2022. And now 2022, we look back on it, and it's like, well, yeah, of course it wasn't going to work that damn well. You lost 17. You have these rookie receivers you're trying to plug and play in there. You're trying to get guys like Al Lazard, who we've already talked about, Randall Cobb to take a role. Tunyon's coming back from that knee injury. You're trying to develop maybe A.J. Dillon to more of a, a receiving back. So, Eli, I'm going to start with you. We're not going to take the same angle as, um, you know, uh, Andy did. But I do definitely want to consider talking about maybe some statistical stuff because you said you went and looked at that. Let's just talk about where you saw and looked into some of the stats discrepancies you saw from when 2019 through now. And I know there were some pockets in there around 2020 and 2021 you want to get to, too. So feel free to um, get into the analytics with us on that stat side. Yeah, so... Like like you said, and like Andy said in his video, starting out 2019, kind of a mixture of McCarthy with floor, 2020, full of floor, 2021, kind of almost back to a mixture with just a lot of relying on Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers to do great things. And then this year we saw without Devontae Adams and kind of like you said, Matt, going in, I mean, I guess we all, we had this excitement about Watson and then Lazard taking another step and Dobbs and this, that, but Anyone, I mean, to think back now how we ever thought it would be close to what it was with Devontae is, is pretty silly. But looking back, so 2020 was the first year they really went full LaFleur offense. They scored 31.8 points a game, 389 yards per game, and over the season scored 66 touchdowns. 2021, 31.8 dropped to 26.5 points per game, 389 yards dropped to 365 yards, and 66 touchdowns dropped to 54 touchdowns. And then this year, we went from 26.5 points to 21.8, 365 yards to 337, and 54 touchdowns to 42 touchdowns. So Damn. not only is there a clear drop-off in every single year, it's actually interesting, there's almost an identical drop-off every single year. In points per game, we've gone down five points per game each year. In touchdowns, we've gone down 12 touchdowns per game each year. And in yards, we've gone down about 30 to 35 yards per game each year. Like, almost identical. It's actually pretty insane. But you see, like, just what it was in 
everyone knows, obviously, that I'm, uh, you know, quite an Aaron Rodgers fan. But I've always said, and I always say that, you know, between giving it to Aaron Jones, not even just running the ball, but making the offense easier, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a star quarterback and making it easier. We've seen Tom Brady make a career of throwing three-yard dump-offs to running backs and tight ends and win seven Super Bowls. We see Drew Brees did with Alvin Kamara. Philip Rivers did it for years with the running backs they had in, in Los Angeles. So there's nothing wrong with that. And unfortunately, one thing that we we just know about Aaron Rodgers, and it's been his almost his entire career, he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be the guy who takes the easy check down on the first read. He'll take it on his third or fourth read, or if he's running out of the pocket for his life, but he is not going to snap the ball, see a running back with four yards of space in front of him, and dump that ball off in a second. He's not going to do it. So I wish he would, but he's not. And in LaFleur's offense in 2020, they were doing some of that. They were doing a lot more under center. They were doing more play action. They were running the ball more. And it was just – it was letting Aaron Rodgers be – I mean, it wasn't taking anything away from him. I mean, I think he threw 38 touchdowns, 37 touchdowns that year. He was the MVP, and it wasn't even close. But he didn't need to make miracle plays the way he did in McCarthy's offense or even the way he had to do in 2019 or the way he did this past year. So – just the whole, you know, output of this conversation, like, yes, as much, whether it's Rodgers or Love, running LaFleur's offense is the right thing to do because there's nothing wrong with making the game easier on your quarterback, and that's not hindering Aaron Rodgers from being Aaron Rodgers. It's just making the down-to-down plays easier so you don't have to have a third and eight every single time or whatever it is. Like, you just go, you get some yards, and, yeah, pull a play action. All of a sudden, you have a, you know, a 40-yard touchdown. We were seeing that all the time in 2020. We haven't seen it. For sure, 2022, we didn't see it a ton last year either. So I would love to see, again, regardless of quarterback, get back to that, get under center, play action, run the ball, take some easy throws, and when the shots are there, you take them. You don't have to force the shots. There's no need to do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 100%. I think, one, um, I love the breakdown from 
the, those three years, right? And I think it's obvious as a fan, you don't even have to really watch the games all intently. You knew damn well just the way the offense was ran this year compared to 2020 was vastly different. And I think even just seeing that the statistical comparison from 2020 to 2021 to see that drop, like I wouldn't have expected it to be the same drop from 21 to 22. I think that's that's huge. And like you said, a lot of that I think that has to do with the way the offense is being ran and how it's being run. Um, I definitely want to get into more in 2022 here because I've mentioned this a couple times, you guys, and this is within conversations on any other content I put out on Packaday. I feel like I've tried to fit this in there and just random conversations with friends and family about the Packers is I really, really feel like in the beginning of the year and, you know, I want your take on this is like just from an outside, pers- like not an outside perspective, but someone that like, you know, Eli's definitely more in the offensive scheme, you know, but like when you're looking at how the team was ran, maybe the f- for the first five, six, seven games, it was completely out of sync. Like, do you think there's something to be said about why that was happening? Because it wasn't like the first year with this offense, right? Like the offense or the first year with some of this personnel. I definitely think there's a conversation to be had about like, okay, Tanyan was out, rookie receivers, yada, 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 offensive line. But like just the way Rodgers was playing, um, and that's why I'm not going to Eli in this one because I think he might have a little biased <laughs> perspective, is like there was definitely a shift at one point, right? Like there was a change between how the offense was ran. And some of that I feel like was the way Rodgers was like, okay, this play is called, but I definitely still have the luxury to check out of it, audible it, you know, put hot routes on the field. But I felt like at some point throughout the year that kind of had changed. Was that something you kind of observed, you know, going from like the first five, six games to the latter half of the year? Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on like the players. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of new guys, like a lot of turnover on this offense, obviously losing Adams, like Eli had previously mentioned. And then you have all these younger guys and maybe, you know, we've kind of like talked about the trust and it's like, I I don't know if I would say like he didn't trust guys, but it's just like, like less comfort, you know, like knowing like, okay, can I run this play and go to this guy and trust he's going to catch it kind of thing. And like, I think he just started to get more and more comfortable with the players that were around him. And that's kind of why we started to see different things as the season went on. And obviously, you know, getting guys like Watson who, you know, Watson, you know, he had the game, like the game against the Vikings, but then he was sporadically hurt a lot. So then he was more consistent later on in the season. So I really think it's just, you know, a lot, a lot thrown at you where it's like, okay, what is the scheme here? Like, is it when Rogers is a little bit more uncomfortable with the scheme? Does he just kind of revert to his comfort zone, which was maybe that Mike McCarthy esque kind of play. Um, and now you're kind of like taking away safety blankets. Like he doesn't have the Devonte Adams to look at, like maybe Lazard, like he could look at Cobb, but it's like, those aren't your big playmakers. Like Cobb's not like his huge playmaker anymore. And Lazard, you know, he was active here and there, but it's just the offense as a whole just felt very out of sync for a very long time. And it really took them a while to kind of build that connection with each other. And that's kind of the the thing about, you know, every year you're going to have different guys and it's just kind of learning to click and some guys click a lot faster than others. Um, So this kind of felt like one of the first years that Rogers really didn't have, you know, he didn't have like his James Jones, his Jordy, his Adams. He kind of had to rely on different personnel around him and his best friend also isn't protecting his blind side. So it, there's just so many things that started off in a very, I wouldn't say like negative manner, but it really, like they started off on a rough, rough start. And they just had to kind of smooth things out as they went on and trying to figure out, okay, 
we like how are we going to work together how are we going to make this work and then obviously injuries back and forth and it's like you're constantly losing guys getting guys back you know it's just there was so much going on with all that 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 also just adds into it and then obviously turnover on coaching like you don't have Hackett anymore so there's there was just a lot that they were dealing with at the beginning of the season a lot of new a lot of trying to you know get the gears going with one another and I think that Rodgers maybe he just kind of reverted to what he knew back then you know before LaFleur and kind of got kind of went back to his comfort zone in that sense until he was able to build that trust with these new guys I think that's a great point and I I definitely don't want to put all the blame on Aaron Rodgers no, of for this. Not. I definitely do think sport. like – I'll never put all the blame on one person. No. And even if it looks like a certain way, like, yeah. oh, it looks like he's doing this a certain way, or maybe he's not hitting the checkdowns as much, or he was inaccurate. Like human, it's human nature. Yeah. Where it's like any person is going to revert back to certain things if they're in a situation that, you know, they're maybe less trusting or more uncomfortable, and they're going to revert, revert back to what they know. Hundred percent, and yeah, I think. We'll just say real quick. Go ahead, because, go ahead, Eli. Um, I know uh, you went to Jen with this, and for good reason. But something <laughs> that maybe you know, maybe people wouldn't expect for me to say, but definitely, I believe number one, like you said, I one thousand percent believe that way too many. Or look, we don't know for sure, but it seems that way too many play calls get changed at the line yep. where what probably would be runs where there should be or whatever. It just there's too much, like, where Rodgers will, a lot of, you know, he said that he thought the motion was becoming too much. It was getting hard to get the plays off, this, that. Well, if you're also changing the play at the line almost every single time, that also takes time. So I would rather see motion than an audible, you know, three out of five plays, but whatever. And then also, I do think that, you know, he needs, especially in a year where you're not having Devontae Adams and you're having two rookie receivers, you needed he needed to be at OTAs and he needed to be participating in everything he could have to get on a page, get on the same page with Dobbs and Watson early and even mm-hmm. Lazard and Kyle, like he needed to do that. And I don't know what his situation will be this year. I don't even know if he'll be on the team. But if he's gonna be on the team, I think he's saying he's all in. If he's gonna be back, well, all in is it's showing up to what basically every other player shows up to. So mm-hmm. be there. You're the quarterback, you're the leader of the team. You have young players that need you there to get on the same page as you. You can't just show up. We all know you're not playing a snap in the preseason. So what are you going to do? You're going to show week one and expect it to work perfectly. You got to be there, put in the time with them, and make it work because that that that's just what oh, basically everyone does. So why are you not? I'm going to tell Aaron Rodgers you hate him. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I like going. Like, I, it's just true. You know, it, it, it's okay. Like you can love a player and still be realistic about. Yeah. What needs to happen? So I mean, I think going yeah, you're, this, you're right. Going into this episode, you guys, like I was, I you get. I think that what's important to keep in perspective is like going into this season. You're like, how are they going to make up for Devonte? And I think as Packers fans, we're all like, here's how it's going to happen. They're going to get Jones more involved with the passing game. That's going to happen. Oh, rookie receivers, one of them's going to climb to the top. Lazard's going to take a step, right? But I think if you like, and you guys have brought up a ton of different points. Eli, you brought up the fact that he didn't come to training camp, um, didn't get involved with the young receivers as much as he should have, doesn't take snaps in preseason. Janelle mentioned Hackett leaving, which I kind of forgot about. I think another one people 
and not having uh, his buddy on his blind side and David Bakhtiari and just the offensive line. MVS being gone, I think, was a, a key factor because they kind of thrusted mm-hmm. Christian Watson yeah. into that role right away, and it, that didn't work out as much. And like, I think they're hurt, just they kind of lost the deep game altogether. Right. And there's just yeah. so many pieces. Like, you bring Tom Clements back, and like, Getsy leaves. Like, there's just so many things. If you start. Un, you know, unpeeling the onion, as they say, it's like you're finding more and more and more as you go along. So, like, I guess like, kind of like the more you look at it, the worse it gets. Yeah, <laughs> like really, a like tremendous amount of change for a team to have to go through in one off season and and adjust to. You know, between and that, it wasn't just players; it was players, it was coaches, it was it was across the whole organization. There was a ton of change, and again, another reason why probably having every minute in that building would have helped. A hundred percent. And I think like Janelle said, I I think, you know, I'm a Aaron Rodgers fan. Obviously Eli is, Janelle is, everyone is a fan, but like it is very, very human. Like you said, Janelle, human nature. If you're going with all these challenges to fall back on habits, whether they be good habits, bad habits, but if you're struggling earlier in the, in the season and you don't have the trust with these receivers, these rookie receivers, you're going to go back to your what has gotten you there? Maybe you don't trust, hey, on a third and seven, we're gonna throw it to nine across the middle on a deep dig instead of you're like, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna throw something different. I'm gonna see if I can throw it to Tunyon in the flat and he can scramble for it, or third and three, we're gonna run the ball. No, I want to give it to my boy Cobb. Like it is definitely human nature in a in a crunch time situation, or even just like where it's like, okay, we got to continue to move the ball down the field. You're gonna go back to what's comfortable and what you you've been used to well before. Matt LaFleur was got there. The final kind of thing I want to get to guys, and I'm going to use some of what Andy's points were, but kind of just get your guys' perspective is obviously this offense or iterations of this offense of the Matt LaFleur offense or the Kyle Shanahan tree have been successful. You look right now, Zach Taylor, who used to work with um, Sean McVay, he is in an AFC championship game right now. and has got uh, the Bengals absolutely humming, uh, whether they're running the ball, passing the ball, but they're playing with a lot of confidence. Kyle Shanahan, I think he's maybe a little bit more of an outlier the way he runs his offense because it's very, very run first, getting guys in motion, getting these run fits right. And I think they're, they, the way Kyle Shanahan with the Niners runs, it's not only is it different, but he has the personnel to do that between Debo, Juszczyk, McCaffrey, who they traded for, and George Kittle. And, oh, also they have Trent Williams, who's like the best offensive lineman and definitely the tackle in the league. So it's like they're kind of a different situation. But you have Sean McVay, too. Like these offenses, this offense, variations of it have been successful and in different places, whether it be the Rams, the Falcons, the Tennessee Titans when LaFleur was there, um, the Bengals, the Niners, like wherever it is, like it's been a successful way to run an offense. My question to you, Eli, and I think it's very, I mean, this is, I think, very obvious. Is Like this offense, however way you slice it, is more of a, we're going to use the run to set up the pass, or we're going to use this variant of maybe a fake this way or a tight end in motion, or, you know, we're going to use these pick plays or whatever to set up the offense to succeed in comparison to a Mike McCarthy air raid offense, um, sit back, drop back, you know, find your reads, let your, you know, receivers make plays one-on-one attack man coverage you don't have to worry about zone as much you want them to play man coverage and we're going to let our quarterback be accurate my overall question to you Eli is do they have the personnel to run this right now because my and just quickly I think the tight end is a huge piece of how Matt LaFleur would want to run this offense we saw him come in and draft Josiah DeGuara who hasn't really worked out I think they need that H-back role no no knock on I mean 
That's definitely not going to Guara, but no knock on Robert Tunyon. He's coming off a knee injury. He's not really that H-back player. So my question to you, Eli, and Janelle, I'll come to you as well. Do you think they even have the personnel to currently run this offense? Or are they a couple pieces away? Has it kind of fallen short because they haven't fully invested into it right away since 2019? Uh, right now, today, at least the offense that we saw in 2022, I would not say is an offense that you can look at and say, okay, they, they can run a Shanahan offense. They can run a McVay offense efficiently, at least, the way it's supposed to be run. Shanahan might be a bit different. because, like you said, I don't think anyone can run no. an offense the way that offense is run. When you have a guy like Debo who can do everything, a guy like McCaffrey can do everything, one of the best blocking tight ends in Kittle, who also just happens to be probably the second to best receiving tight end in the NFL as well. And then you have Brandon Ayuk because, like, oh, by the way, and then, like you said, Kyle Juszczyk, extremely underrated aspect of that offense at fullback. And someone that, I mean, if, if Josiah DeGuara can even get to 80% of Kyle Juszczyk, and forget being a tight end, just be that, just be a fullback, we would be very happy. Like, that would be great for his career. But, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm a huge Robert Tunyon fan, always have been. I just, I think he's awesome energy, really big fan of him. But he's not, he's not... You know, obviously he's not Kittle or Kelsey, but I'm saying he's also just not someone who's going to make a play after the catch. I think he has great hands. He, we rarely see him drop the ball. If it hits his hands, it's, he's going to catch it. But he's not creating separation. And when, like you said, Rodgers hits him in the flat, when's the last time you saw Robert Tunyon break a tackle? I can't think of it. He goes down kind of like Richard Rodgers, you know? Bloop, you're done. You're good. You're done. Three-yard gain at best. So I don't really think they have the exact scheme to run it. And like you said also, when forget even the run to set up the pass, when you're doing a ton of like, you know, uh, the illusion of complexity, you know, the same formation, but you're running multiple stuff out of it. One example this year that we know for a fact happened versus the bears to start that win streak. They had the Christian Watson. They did that motion with Watson, but they did a play action pass off of it. And then at the end of the game, they handed it to Watson. Boom. The whole field was open 40 plus yard touchdown run game ender done. So, but we didn't see that consistently throughout the year. With a ton of that, we saw just a lot of 11 personnel, kind of like McCarthy-esque kind of offense. So if they want to really run the offense LaFleur is supposed to be running, they need to add a game-changing tight end, and they probably need to add just either, I would say probably just not even a gadget guy, but someone that you could do a jet sweep with. And so like Watson, yeah, he has great speed, but he's still not a super horizontal guy. He's more vertical kind of speed. You need someone shifty, quick, little twitch to him. We don't really have that right now as a great slot receiver anyway. So I would like to see them add that. And as always, you know, in this draft, I think the latest, the latest, the third round, but I think in the first two rounds, for sure a receiver or a tight end should be drafted. I'm not a big fan of first-round tight ends. I've said that a ton on Twitter lately. But receiver, it's not a great receiver class. But in the second or third round, I think you could get a good receiver. I, I think they need to do it, or you have to add a veteran. And this happens to be the, the worst crop of free agent receivers I can remember ever seeing. So you got to get in the draft. It's not good. I, I totally love your perspective. Like, because I think the tight end definitely needs to be prioritized. First mm -hmm. round tight end, not a huge fan. It's worked in the past, but rarely, rarely does it prosper. Um, I love the tight end group right now. I think going into like November, December of this um, year. Uh, watching college football, you were just coming to find out all these tight ends that are coming out and like 
like Mike Meyer, the guy from Notre Dame, you're like, oh, he's going to be the top pick. Oh, no, there's this guy here and this guy there. Oh, this guy from Georgia. Like, there's a ton of kids that are coming out, I think, that they can definitely prioritize and get some great value on. Um, similar to maybe what they did with, like, Jake Sternberger that year, where, like, that was a huge, huge tight end class with Fan, Hawkinson, a couple other ones that I'm misremembering. I can't believe, I can't believe how quickly Sternberger was in and out. Like, I was so I, – I was – I was like, this guy is going to be a star. I was my, one of my biggest draft misses ever. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Didn't make yeah. sense. No, I totally agree. Janelle, I guess I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. I kind of laid out, and we've talked about the whole show, um, at least the latter half of the show when we're talking about the LaFleur offense. What is your preference to watching an NFL game, an offense? Do you prefer like this like Matt, Lef- Matt LaFleur offense kind of going to be a little bit drawn out? going to be a little bit more ball control a um, little bit more you know setting up like Eli said setting up certain plays to work out to you know take advantage of opportunities or do you f- you prefer a team that's going to go out and sling the ball around like a maybe a, a Tom Brady's offense or an Aaron Rodgers Mike McCarthy offense and whatever your preference is what do you think right now would make the Packers most successful I mean, obviously one of those is way more fun and appealing to watch. It's obviously more fun to watch your quarterback throwing the ball 20, 30 yards down the field and having a fast guy run one in for a touchdown. Like there's, those are obviously more fun, but I'm more like just get the first down. I'm, you know, you have three chances to get to the sticks and you you don't need to make the big play every time. I'm just kind of like, you know, get five yards here maybe six yards there, all of a sudden first down, just kind of, you know, inch your way down the field. Not everything has to be the big spectacular play, but throw those in there also. Like maybe throw a design in there where all of a sudden you'll catch them and you'll be able to have the big play. But I think when you're, I, I'm more just find a way to get down the field, especially with the way that this team was this year. So that kind of kind of answers your second part there where it was like, there were so many times this year where, they needed like two yards and they're throwing 20 yards downfield. And it's like, yeah, I love those plays if they work, but they weren't working. Therefore you have to resort back to, okay, we just need to get first downs and march our way down the field. Um, And honestly make the big play from like the 25 yard line on their side of the field because red zone just wasn't working. So then make the big plays because obviously red zone execution just doesn't work. So then start making the big plays when uh, you're getting close there but, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, yeah, I'm always just get to the first down, get to the first down, find ways to march your way down the field. You know, time management is huge in that sense, too. So I, I don't need the big flashes. I mean, they're fun. And when a play breaks and you do get a big gain, obviously love it. But I think just finding ways to move down the field, control the ball, contain the ball. You know, there was just so many turnovers this year, too, that were just killer so I think it's just there again just like so many factors that were preventing them from getting down the field whether it was the play calls or ball security or what it might have been um, just miscommunication but that's why I kind of was like just make the shorter plays crossing routes whatever it needs to be um, you know run plays get the run more involved short passes um, not you know not the sweeps that like cause three yard losses like don't do that but <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, just find ways. Don't need the big play in those moments. So, yeah, I it, it'll be interesting to kind of see going forward. But I think that this was just, a, especially this year, it was like 
every inch, like it felt like they were going a mile. So I think it was just, there was a lot of burnout. Um, And I think that, you know, going forward, it's just, you know, Aaron Rodgers mentioned like, and that's kind of revolves around like this whole simplify the offense. And I think that's just kind of what they need to do. Just get the first downs, play your kind of ball and march your way down the field. And that just, that wasn't happening. There was no, um, no flow in the games. It felt like everything was super choppy and you'd have a really good drive. And then all of a sudden you would have a play that, you know, just out of nowhere unnecessary and kind of kills the drive and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm as much as everybody loves the big plays and like who doesn't love a deep ball pass, it's just, you know, simplify it and, um, you know, just, just get first downs. Like that's really all I want just get first downs because eventually then you'll be down the field and then you can score touchdowns. So first downs, first touchdown, second. <laughs> Definitely. And I don't think it has to be one or the other. Like I said, I think, um, you know, leading you to that question, it's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, sling like the have ball. a healthy mixture. Yes. Yes. Like, and I like think 80, 20, maybe like 80% just, you know, playing mainstream football, getting the first downs and then 20%, those big plays that are going to, you know, motivate your team give you momentum but those big plays weren't working this year and i think that was a lot of the problem too definitely and i I, finally it's like you don't have you know you don't have the you know a goat receiver right now so like you have to manufacture an offense to look like a certain play to then give you an opportunity to make the big play you don't have the opportunity to just go down the field in 40 seconds and throw four back shoulder throws to Devante and oh you're in you know the red zone you can kick three at the end of a half or something like you literally need to manufacture drives and I think that was a a, a, a tough dose of reality for Rodgers this year where he like he didn't have that opportunity and it kind of made him probably question his ability but ultimately it's like this is where the offense is going and this is where you need to kind of to buy in finally the last thing I want to bring up guys is like Two things. One, definitely plagiarizing from Andy Herman, but he talked about like if Matt LaFleur is going to continue to, you know, work with this team and I, they obviously had some setbacks this year. This is the biggest setback they've had pre- previously, obviously going 13 and three um, and then falling short in the playoffs, but definitely, you know, regular season record. If this is his, you know, going into his fifth year now, it's like if you're, you know, if you're going to put your reputation on the line, you might as well go down with like the ship that you built. Like, don't half-ass it with the offense that you might want to run, with the personnel that you kind of sort of have. Go out and get your guys, but ultimately, like, play the offense how you have been successful before in your other destinations, right? Whether it be um, with Kyle Shanahan in Tennessee, in Atlanta. Like, make sure you're going out with all your cards and all your chips pushed to the center of the table so you know definitively, like, I did everything I could to make this team successful offensively because it doesn't seem like it's fully gotten to that point with a couple different variables that we've mentioned between 2019 and 2022. And the last one, kind of a hot take at the end here, like if and when the Packers do move on from Aaron Rodgers, this offense for whoever their new quarterback is, whether it be Jordan Love, whether it be a rookie they draft, a veteran, much, much easier for someone to probably run an offense this way, um, the Matt LaFleur style, than it is the Aaron Rodgers way or the Mike McCarthy era. I think it's just a lot easier to um, you know, get into rhythm. And if you're buying into that, you're going to have an easier transition um, taking over that team, however that may be. But guys, as we wrap up here and, you know, Pack-A-Day podcast continues to monitor all social media ongoings of players um, where potential coaches could fit in. We obviously last week probably overreacted. I know I did to uh, <laughs> the potential of 
couple coaches leaving, being Rich Passaccia and also Jerry Gray. Nothing has come of that of this week. So we will continue to monitor everything going on in the Packers sphere. Um, drama saw, next week. <laughs> more drama. There will be more drama. We always are going to have oh. some drama. Um, wherever you're getting your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Pack, or, uh, Apple Podcasts, Please subscribe, like, rate, review, share with your friends. This is the off season. If you hear anything that you guys like, make sure to tweet at us um, at Packaday Podcast. We just reached over ten thousand followers, as I said, which I think is a really, really great um, thing for us. And just continue to put out content every single day for you guys to listen to. Of course, on the YouTube side, continue to support Andy over there and whoever else from the Packaday Podcast team assists. We've he's been putting out great content, getting some of the hot takes out. People are not happy about it, but it's really, really funny to see him throw some gas on some fires of just hyperboles because what else is there to talk about at this point? And of course, make sure you're following all of us on Twitter. You can find myself on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Eli, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter and all the content you're putting out this offseason, my guy. Yeah, uh, as always, you can essentially find all my content on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. But of course, every Saturday here on Pack Day with you, Matt, and Jen, and then every Wednesday night on Open Book. Well, actually, right now we're on a bit of a break, but I'm sure we'll be back probably right around uh, after the Super Bowl on Wednesday nights on Open Book on Game on Wisconsin with Jen and Zach Jacobson. And then uh, as we get into draft season here, uh, you'll be able to find all my writing and scouting of some of these top prospects over on packreport.com. No doubt, no doubt. Good, good, a little hiatus for you guys. Get, get, you know, we don't need to sit and break down social media stuff during the offseason. Wait until we get past the Super Bowl. Like I said, we're going to have some more free agency stuff coming up, I'm sure, from the Packers that we can get into in coaching hires. Um, Janelle, obviously, Eli already plugged uh, open book. Feel free to do that again and let everyone else know all the content you have putting out and your Twitter handle, please. Yeah, Eli and I unfortunately work together on both Packaday and Open Book, so you can find me over on those <laughs> those plays as well. It's actually, you know, it's a break for Zach and I from Eli. I only get half a break, though, because I'm still with Eli here on Fridays. <laughs> um, knowledge jokes aside, can't wait to get back with them. Uh, yeah, hoping, you know, after the Super Bowl, we'll kind of get back into it. We'll have some good off-season content over there, as we always do. Um, and then, yeah, I've been kind of quiet on Twitter lately, just kind of busy, and it's kind of nice to take that break, but obviously – any little times I jump on there, um, you can find me over at Big Mac underscore four. Um, yeah, that, that's basically it. Pack a day, open book, Twitter. Yeah, feel free. Tag me, whatever. Maybe I'll see it. But yeah, just kind of taking that little hiatus. And I'm also busy working with children all day. So <laughs> don't have don't have time to, you know, plug my opinions on all the drama. So <laughs> Good to, good to take a back seat during this time of the year. I think it's a great yeah, opportunity I, I to kind sit of back. A, I'm a wallflower right now, like with all the drama that's going on on Twitter. I just kind of sit back and I watch it. And it's like, I obviously have my own opinions because I'm a human and we all do. But I just don't, I do not have the energy to get involved in it. So I just kind of sit back and I'm like, oh, I agree with that. I disagree with that. Oh, that's cool. Like, oh, here's what the media is saying today and all that. So it's like, I'm, I'm there. I'm just, you know, you don't see it. <laughs> I respect that. You're still you're still soaking it in like a sponge, but you're not squeezing out and giving everything exactly. all your all your all your exactly. <laughs> respect, respect. Um, guys, continue to I guess support Packet Day Podcast. Like I said, it is a Saturday going into the the conference championships, which is awesome. As always, I am a Packers fan. I know you guys are listening, but enjoy some of those great football. We have some really really good matchups going on this weekend. Obviously, Niners Eagles and the 
Bengals v Chiefs. We'll see what happens with that. I think some of the better teams that are left, um, most people probably had at least a combination of these teams left towards the end of the season, but definitely watch that on Sunday um, because we'll see who's in the Super Bowl, and it's going to be a great end to the 2022 season. But for Janelle Mackey, Eli Berkovitz, I am Matt Fralick. You guys stay well, be safe, wherever you are, be warm, because I'm freezing my butt off in Wisconsin right now. (laughs) Um, And as always, go Pack Go.